scams in general, especially since lockdown, have gone up massively. You've got cybercrime has gone up, you've got hacks have gone up, you've got all sorts of crimes against, you know, aiming for companies or for individuals. Everything has gone up. Hi, I'm Erica Stanford. I run the Crypto Carry Club. So it's the main crypto community in the UK. And you're listening to Gut Talks, double G, U, double T. Hi everyone, Maria here, and welcome to season two of God Talks, WG T, a podcast focusing on business and tech for good, experience design and gut feelings. I'm Maria, designer, strategist and venture builder running GUT, WGUTT, a design and innovation hub. I'm releasing 30 episodes per season. So now, after 30 episodes and 35 guests, we're starting the countdown again from scratch with season number two. And I invite you to check season one's episodes as the content and guests are awesome. Well, I'll let you judge on that one yourself, but I believe there's lots of valuable information and conversations out there. Today's guest is Erica Stanford, the founder of the Crypto Curry Club, the UK's number one networking and educational events for professionals in banking, blockchain, AI, innovation, and sustainability. Erica started this community to network and meet like-minded individuals in an easy way or easygoing way over curry. She's a lecturer and author of Crypto Wars, Fake Death, Missing Billions, and Industry Disruption, and spent most of her time during lockdown researching and writing. Erica, thank you so much for being on Gut Talks. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Good to see you. Let's kick this off. Can you just say or tell everyone who's Erica? So who's Erica? So I'm Erica, and as you say, most of of lockdown last year was researching and writing this book about all of the biggest hacks and scams in, in crypto. I also run the main crypto community in the UK, which you know, which used to involve lots of get-togethers with, with food, curry specifically, and, and drinks. So that was really fun. I was interested in meeting new people. I studied a sort of an economics course. It was called Economics of the EU at Edinburgh University and ended up working in sort of sales and marketing strategy for, for tech firms, spent a bit of time out traveling. So who's Erica? Ideally, I'd be spending all of my time traveling and hiking and cycling and being outdoors and active. <laughs> cool. I like the energy and the vibe. So I'm going to ask you this question that might be not a tough one, but you know, it's just to set the scene. Can you just in like two minutes or so just say what's cryptocurrency and what's blockchain? to the audience they're always the hardest questions yeah and you know seem to be the simplest probably would take days rather than an hour to go into what is cryptocurrency cryptocurrency is basically digital currency that is is on blockchain it's secured by encryption and so bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency it was created in 2008 brought out 2009 by a what's thought to be a guy called satoshi nakamoto but nobody knows who he is it's not known who satoshi is or who satoshi are Maybe it's a group of people, but it's still pseudonymous. It's not known who Satoshi is. And, you know, what's incredible with Bitcoin, which is the first cryptocurrency, it's the first digital currency that can be sent sort of from one person to another peer-to-peer without needing access to traditional banking infrastructure, without needing access to sort of third parties. And with Bitcoin, you can send transactions 
digitally that are basic. It's called trustless. You don't need to trust the person that you're sending Bitcoin to. You can send Bitcoin and you can see that it arrives and you've got sort of full transparency of where these transactions are going, that it's arrived, that it's been checked and, and all of that. So you've got a lot more transparency than, than you would what's called fiat currency. And you've now got in crypto, you've got this ecosystem. You've now got over 10,000 cryptocurrencies. There's thought to be many more. And the majority of these are sort of copies of other cryptocurrencies because the code is open source so you've got these cryptocurrencies have been effectively imitated and created by you know lots of people the majority of them have no worth or no use case but you know with other ones you've got these digital currencies that that really you can send digitally very very cheaply very very fast you can send them directly peer-to-peer you've got sort of full you know vision of and clarity of when the transactions arrive and that this has been sent and, and which address has been sent what and you can send transactions abroad it's not limited by borders and stuff. so you've just got this digital currency that isn't issued by central banks and you know what's interesting with crypto because you sort of set the cryptocurrencies when you launch them with bitcoin for example it's set that there's only ever going to be 21 million bitcoins and you know with with fiat currency this is incredible you know and and other cryptocurrencies you know with ethereum for example which is the second main one there's sort of you know, a certain amount will be produced every year at set rate of inflation but you know that is remarkable because if you look at fiat sort of government currency you know it seems to be fashionable at the moment to print money and governments just print money print money print money which just totally and utterly devalues money and if you look at that's you know just costs and so forth and you know all sorts of places there's been so much money printed that money's been devalued that you know things cost maybe relatively more but the amount that you're getting in is less so you know and there's countries all around the world that have experienced hyperinflation you know we're we're slowly going that way so with cryptocurrency you've got a set rate of how many coins will ever be produced so you know in some cases for example with bitcoin that has led people to get really excited by this because there's you've got this digital currency that is used and accepted by corporations now all around the world where they can't be any more produced so in terms of supply and demand that is very very exciting for a lot of people so blockchain is like a digital accounting ledger so where blockchain is is used is every bit of information added is is sort of added and in a time sequential manner so if you send money or send value add information you can see exactly that you at this time added this bit of information so where blockchain comes in because of of the way its information is stored on this ledger you can't then go back and undo what information you added so if you say i don't know the tree is blue and then you change your mind you can't just delete that you've said the tree is blue you know you could add on a minute later to say the tree is green so you've got both bits of information or if you've got some sensitive information that you want to have erased you can't just go back and erase that bit of information so what's useful with blockchain is a it's a the sort of the, the technology that cryptocurrency is is built on and sent over so you've got full transparency for for these digital transactions but also it's this ledger that is used for information so blockchain is now being used quite extensively in supply chain and logistics for example because you've got information that can be added and you know once it's on there that that can't be changed or taken away so for things like supply chain we've got the full timeline of, of series of events and when you sync blockchain to things like iot internet of things so we've got accurate information that is being recorded by sensor that is just synced straight away and added to blockchain straight away you can see information for example how something is being stored how something is being posted so you've just got this whole world of possibilities that, that just basically lends a lot more transparency to that 
And then you've got a concept called smart contract that also just enables things to happen when things happen. So it's kind of like an escrow service. If you do this, it will release this. If you make this payment, it will do this. If you do this action, it will release this payment and so forth. So just opens up a whole new world of possibilities of what can be done, but in a much more transparent manner. And in one way, things can be securely automated, but without needing the third party, without needing the bank, without needing the sort of payment process to check those or to take your money or to, to manage the whole thing. Yeah, I guess this uh, third party you mentioned is one key element here. But I just want to ask you, just going back to cryptocurrency, are we going to see a cryptocurry currency soon? No, <laughs> no, I don't think no. so. Um, you know, a few people have waived the idea. In terms of the practicalities of actually creating one, that wouldn't be so extensive, and a few people have offered to do so for the fun of it for the community. But you've got you know practicalities of, of managing and dealing with it that I wouldn't want to do. I don't think so. In reality, you've now got over ten thousand cryptocurrencies have been created. You've got Bitcoin, which you know has has lots of use cases and users, and, and has proven itself time and time again. And then you've got other cryptocurrencies, and you know, the vast majority have no use case, have no worth, have no value. We're just created, you know, by their creators, you know, either to get rich quick or to have a bit of fun or for whatever reason. And, you know, they bring no value. So I don't, I don't want to add another one to that. And, you know, currently, you know, if, if people want to come to the cryptocurrencies, they can pay with fiat currency or, you know, whatever. Maybe we'll go to Bitcoin, but no, you know. No, you, you touched on several important points here and you touched on governments, you touched on supply chain and so on. So actually the technology itself has a lot of potential that can go in the right direction or the wrong direction. And I think we're going to explore this. But I have a question for you first. What is it that made you get interested into this space? Because I've heard your story, you know, you were on multiple podcasts and you speak quite often and so on. And you shared that you lived in different countries and you also got mugged and so on. And then you realized that, okay, it's expensive to send money or receive money, but not everyone can afford to do that, especially people who live on like $2 a day and so mm -hmm. on. So when was this moment and what is it that triggered you to say, I want to get involved into this space was it like a gut feeling and the gum um no i think yeah i mean yes it can be very expensive to send money and you know with for us in the west but you've got you can pay with iphones and you can pay with cards and and whatever it's, it's all quite easy but that isn't the case all around the world and that isn't the case for everyone around the world so was it a gut feeling no i think i was just i heard about it i just started reading a bit started geeking out a bit started playing a bit was just really really interested so was I intending to sort of really to work in the space no not necessarily I I started um I wanted to meet more people in the space I wanted to find out what else was happening I started going to other events which you know some of them were good some of them were quite dry and technical other ones were just sort of full of sales pitches but you know this was at the time of a bit of hype but you know the the, the general consensus was you sat in rows listening to someone and they'd say go network You know, I found that incredibly difficult to just go up to complete strangers and, you know, start talking. So I wanted to meet other people and, you know, find an easier way of doing. So I started running these events at Crypto Curry Club just because I thought, well, you know, it's something we can do once a month, get people together over food and find out, meet, you know, meet other good people. It was invite only or select. So just got really good people together in a room with food and drinks. And I figured if you're 
sat around sharing a load of food and drink together, then it's just easier to get to know people and to chat because you're forced to because you have to ask everyone if they can please pass you the you know the naan bread or whatever. So it makes it so much easier and and funner. Probably not a word, but more fun. And you know, I just thought it'd be more relaxed. But if you've got people together that are you know, interested in the same space, so I started doing these crypto curry clubs in 2018, and just thought you know we'll do it once a month, and started off doing that, but just quickly so many people came and it was really fun really good to people get people together they were selling out in like an hour you built up just this incredible community of like people from you know some of the biggest companies in the world people found some startups you've had universities you had investors you had students you had media you had sort of every angle of people sort of working in the space but were just really interested to you know to talk about their own sort of roles in it and to talk about space so you know, it sort of grew the Crypto Curry Club grew and, you know, it's, it's been really fun just, just meeting more people. So if anything, I think, you know, the gut feeling was, well, you know, networking as it's been done traditionally is, is horrible and makes it painful and difficult and excruciating. You don't end up really meeting anybody and you certainly don't end up having, you know, having an enjoyable experience. So if we can just make it actually fun to meet people that you haven't met, you know, but people in a sort of relatively businessy-ish, you know, environment. Um, so it was more, you ask about gut instinct, it was more that, you know, traditional networking events are excruciating, at least in my opinion. <laughs> okay. No, and, you know, I'm, I'm really excited actually to jumping into the conversation with you because, you know, I've been wanting to talk to someone in this space for a while when, you know, I started Gut Talks and you know what, it's actually difficult. So I feel your initial pain, and especially, you know, you're in London, so in, in the buzz, and now it's online kind of, and it's mm. not quite like every day that you will meet someone who's into the space, that space in particular. So let's talk a little bit about the scams. That's, yeah. I, I love the title of this uh, podcast, and thank you for coming mm-hmm. up with the name Crypto Scams. I think <laughs> it's brilliant. So Let's start with scams for dummies in that sense, just to set the scene again about crypto scams, because is it similar to other scams, you know, other scams you can get with fiat currency when you get a phone call, you know, you have to especially things that happen to elderly, but also SMS messages or emails you receive where you have to click on a link or whatever it may be. Are there any patterns that you've identified when it comes to a scam, a crypto scam? Yes and no. I mean, like you say, there's all sorts of scams. And, you know, I think it's important to add that scams in general, especially since lockdown, have gone up massively. You've got cybercrime has gone up, you've got hacks have gone up, you've got all sorts of crimes against, you know, aiming for companies or for individuals. Everything has gone up. So, you know, the scams are a massive problem, be that email, be that social media, be that letters, be that phone calls, be that, you know, whatever it is. I think are there patterns in, in crypto crimes? Yes, there's a few key trends, partly that they're just getting sort of very, very brazen because it's not regulated, because it's, it's, you know, it's sort of been seen as this wild west and you've got a lot of you know, professional scammers, you know, some, a lot of opportunists, but also a lot of professional scammers just really basically just trying to take advantage of the space and, and of the excitement you know, of everyone's desire to get rich quick. So what you've got is, is this sort of, space where you've got a lot of opportunists just literally just trying to take advantage of it that are doing scams not really related to crypto they're just sort of touching on the ecosystem playing on people's desire to get rich quick another sort of trend is is you've got it was a scam called one coin which is now thought to be the biggest crypto scam and the bbc did this incredible 
podcast series on it called the missing crypto queen all about this founder who's disappeared and it's still not known if she's dead or alive where is she or anything like that so there was this whole sort of crazy ecosystem around that but what what this one coin scam did was bring in multi-level marketing to crypto so you've got multi-level marketing which is this sort of you know slightly morally dubious marketing structure whereby you pay high commissions for every person you bring on so if you sell a product fine and then if they if you bring in somebody else to be part of it, you get big commissions. And then if they bring somebody else and you get big commissions and, you know, you've got these multi-level marketing structure, which, you know, which can be very, very lucrative for the first, you know, few people who get involved because they build these downlines and there's whole big communities to sell to. And then they get commissions from everyone who buys. And, you know, that's all great. But with traditional multi-level marketing structures, yes, you've got people who do well. And yes, you've got some of them, when it's multi-level marketing that's selling a project, a product, a real-life tangible thing, it's it's legal. Now, should they be legal? I would argue no. Is there anything ethically good about them? I would equally argue no, but you know, that's an opinion. But you've still got these multi-level marketing setups that are legal and that do make money for some people. Now, I think the statistic I heard is that 98% of people who get involved lose money, but you know, that, that's you know, that's that's how it is. But it's a very, very lucrative commission scheme. So what OneCoin did and what a number of these scams have now copied is bringing in multi-level marketing to crypto scams because you've got the whole desire to get into crypto and to get rich quick and to own cryptocurrencies. You've got all of these scams promoting to people how they can get rich quick. If only if they buy this cryptocurrency, it will double in value. If you send us your Bitcoin, it will we'll send you back double. Or we've got this amazing trading algorithm. So if you send us your Bitcoin, we'll trade it for you and we will send you this guaranteed return or... You know, we've got Bitcoin mining equipment. So if you send us your Bitcoin, we'll mine it for you and then we'll make you more and you'd have to pay with any of this. So you've got all of these scams playing on people's desire to get into crypto. So there's now two main trends. A, bringing a multi-level marketing to that. They're playing on people's desire to get into crypto, but then they're also paying really high commissions to anybody who brings in anybody else. So where this gets really bad and how they've grown so big is that it's not just the scammers promoting the scam but you've got two types of people you've got people who are just very good at multi-level marketing and network marketing who you know even know that it's a scam and just don't care or just don't bother to do the due diligence or don't want to do the due diligence so they just you know feign ignorance and they're just in it for the commissions because they see it as a lucrative way to make money but then you've also got on the other side of that you've got because with ponzi schemes which they you know pretty much all are they pay out early on so if you're one of the first investors into these scams, but you don't think it's a scam at the time because they look good. They're very sophisticated. They look good and they make all these big claims. So say, for example, you've fallen for one and you think it looks good and you invest. Well, early on, if you get in early enough, they pay out. So you'll get your money back and you'll get profit. So you think it's good. You genuinely think it might be good because you, know, you don't know otherwise. So what you've also got with these big new multi-level marketing scams in crypto is that you've got innocent people sort of falling for them and getting involved and they think you know they've got their money back so then they tell their friends and they tell their families about them and then their friends and families who maybe don't really know but they trust this person they get involved and they put their money and you know there's two elements to that a of course you get commissions for every time you bring somebody in so you're incentivized to bring people on but you know you've also got people who really do believe it's good so then people believe that and it spreads so where they get so big and so bad is you've got religious leaders promoting them to their congregations you've got community leaders promoting them to their communities and you know it's a very gray area because 
it ranges from some of them really think they're doing good by their communities because they think that they can make money and this is a good way for them to make money and then you know if it's a church whatever well you know the commissions that they get will be good for the church so you know maybe they're not doing it with entirely bad aims because of course yes they're motivated by the commissions but they also think it's good but then you've got other ones who really just don't care about the fact that they know people will lose money and they're just doing it for quick commissions so they've spread like wildfire so you know, I, I would say as a trend, if there's anything in crypto that involves multi-level marketing or involves commission payouts, so if you get paid a commission for bringing somebody in, then I would say be very, very careful and basically run like the plague because I've never seen one that isn't a, a scam for sort of on the investment side. And then, you know, a third thing in sort of crypto scams, with crypto, if you send Bitcoin or if you send crypto, You've sent that transaction. It's not like in a, you know, if you've got money in a bank account and that bank account gets hacked and money is stolen from you, you can call your bank and they'll investigate and they'll, you know, send the money back because they'll be able to see, well, yes, this is clearly a hack and this is clearly a fraud and you get your money back. But you can't do that with crypto. So if you fall for a scam, you send your Bitcoin, that's it, you sent your money and they won't do anything and they can't do anything. So that's what scammers play on. They'll do anything to get people to send them their crypto or to send them their Bitcoin. And once they've got it, they're in control. So, you know, anything that way is somebody trying to get you to send your Bitcoin to them, unless you know exactly who it is or what it is that you're sending it to and it's a company that you know and trust, then, you know, be incredibly worried. Yeah, I guess in terms of traceability and transparency, it's like, again, it has the good side and the bad side, right? Like absolutely everything. And you touch on something important here, the legality of it. So on the surface, it looks legal, but when you dig deeper, then it can end up being a scam. And, it's, and there's a gray area and there's an opportunity here maybe for, I don't know if there are any startups in this space working on, you know, finding out what is this gray area, because there is a gap here, clearly from the way you're saying it, but it's a tough one. I also read an article, I think last week about a family that invested in crypto early on. They spread their, if you want, crypto across the globe. Actually, this is maybe, I don't know how related this can be, but in terms of security, is there anything you've identified also while doing your research? What do you mean in terms of security? Ad break. No, not an ad. But as you may have noticed, this show has no sponsors, but you can still support Gut Talks by leaving five stars or a comment on your podcast player and like, share, and follow the social media channels of Gut, W-G-U-T-T, all links are in the show notes. Now let's get going. In terms of security, so when you buy, let's say, crypto and you want to secure your crypto, then you have other players that can come to the market or come into play and be like, we're going to be securing this for you. But then if well, you don't you, understand you, you how it works. Have that. You now have that. So there are now companies that provide what is basically institutional grade security, institutional grade custody. You've now got law firms who are you know, really understanding the space, acting in the space. There are now a whole different level of offerings to what there was a few years ago. So now if you go through the right platforms and the right players, then you know, if you store crypto and you store it offline, and then that's secure. 
so and you know you've got now institutions getting in with huge amounts of money i mean you're talking billions of dollars in crypto and that can be secured incredibly securely and once it's offline it can't be hacked and you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's impenetrable so yeah you do have those offerings and the, the ecosystem is really really building up and you know the problem is with crypto it's it's mostly when people are tricked into sending their crypto to the wrong thing so you might even store your crypto securely in a secure wallet that's that is stored securely um but then if you're tricked into sending your crypto to somebody else then that's that's when you lose it and then you do still have the problem that there are still hacks now you know crypto exchanges and, and wallets do get hacked quite often you know you hear about it or not all the time but it does happen and so you've got some of the, the better exchanges do what they can to offer insurance or to offer sort of institutional grade security and you know some of the, the ones if they get hacked well you know because hackers are, are you know smart and, and you know skilled then if hackers if they do get hacked some of them will pay out and you know pay their victims back because they see it was this is you know sort of a cost of of it or you know maybe they'll look at having insurance and so forth and then you've got other exchanges and, and crypto wallets where their sole aim is is to scam people so they you know they offer deals they offer good promotions they make all of these good claims like you know we'll store your money really securely we'll store your crypto securely we'll be would it cheaper it would be easier whatever 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 and exactly the same thing because then people send them their bitcoin to store securely and then those exchanges are you know scam from the start so and that's happened recently there's been a few exchanges have done that so you know i don't want to be negative about the ecosystem because the scams are only a, a part and the hacks are only a part and there are really really good solutions and really good custody solutions and there are you know big exchanges and wallets that do still crypto securely and, and so forth and you know if you've got crypto and you store it what's called sort of you know in a hard wallet like offline then it's you know it's safe if, but then you're sort of responsible for it you've got your private keys which secure it but you know there's now solutions being built around that so you know yes there are solutions that can make it incredibly safe and i'd say the problem is yes there's still hacks in space you know but like with everything we're seeing cyber crime you know in every industry that's not unique to crypto by any definition of the yeah. word and you know that has been going up in every industry not unique to crypto but i'd say the main scams are if you store your crypto on one of the you know the well-known big wallets where you can really prove that they've got good custody solutions in place that's less the risk the risk is more when you are tricked into sending your crypto to a project or a platform or whatever so i'd say the more people can educate themselves about how sort of scammers are working and and the tricks that they use then people will be less likely to fall for them to send their crypto to a bad thing thank you for this and i want to ask you what's your favorite scam or scandal because you mentioned one coin but your favorite in terms of you know <laughs> my favorite scam um <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't know if favorite would be the right, yeah, the no, right I know, word. I know, I know. To, to okay, the most interesting. Let's go the, with the most interesting. Yeah, the one about. that maybe, you know, you worked so hard in order to be able to identify it that took you forever maybe to uncover or just say which one is your most interesting, um, challenging, most whatever. interesting scam. I mean, I think there's a few. Yeah, we cover some of them, but there's one. The Quadriga one. So it was a Canadian crypto exchange, which everybody trusted. And it was, you know, run mostly by this guy who sort of everyone trusted. And then he wrote a will four days before going on honeymoon to India and then, you know, mysteriously died under some really, you know, mysterious circumstances. And then a body was supposedly flown back to, I think, to Canada and buried. And 
and you know it's, it's since been found out that the entire exchange was basically a scam a ponzi scheme from the start and that he was when he died he was the only one that held the private keys to 250 million dollars of cryptocurrency of people's crypto so because he held the private keys that basically meant that he had control so nobody else can access it so you know it's one of those things where you know law enforcement will say he died you know it's unfortunate yes he was a scam but he died and you know basically case closed and investigating but they that they're saying he died and yet when you speak to people in the crypto community especially people who sort of were you know doing their own little bits of research and so forth into it i've yet to meet a single person who believes that he died and you've still got groups of people you know asking for his case to his body to be you know bar- um what's the word undug to, to see you know is this actually him you know did he actually die so who knows? Who knows? There's a bit of mystery to that. And, you know, the other scam that does stand out, and it's, it's probably the most famous scam in crypto, you know, it was one that we saw, you know, it was quite public. It was traded on, on crypto exchanges. It was listed on sort of crypto ranking sites. It's called Bitcoin. Bitcoin. So it was this Ponzi scheme that managed to, to get, I think, about $4 billion of people's money. And, you know, what, what is interesting about BitConnect, they were so brazen they you know they, they hosted these wild parties in thailand and abroad and you know paid people to go to them. they you know they sent out letters to investors you know if you invest more than twenty thousand dollars we'll send you you know and you come from a conference in thailand we'll we'll send you like two thousand dollars to get the plane ticket to get the hotel to have a really nice time and you know took people on, on yacht parties and then all of these cruises and then all of that and it was really really glamorous and gave away these supercars and you know, they made all of these noise and they were listed and it went up in value so much. Like people who got in early and sold out at the right, right time would have made so much money from this. And, you know, they, they said, well, we've got this trading bot. We've got this trading algorithm. So if you just send us your Bitcoin, we'll convert it into BitConnect and we'll trade it and you'll get lots of money. And, you know, it was the, the, the returns that they offered when you actually looked into it, you had people sort of really early on going, this is a Ponzi scheme. This can only be a Ponzi scheme. There's no trading bot in the world that can make this amount of guaranteed money. You know, Bitcoin is a finite resource. There's not enough you know, money or sort of potential in the world for this to be a possibility. It's not possible to guarantee whatever it was, like, you know, really, really high returns every day. So you had people early on calling out that this is a Ponzi scheme, but it still went up so much in value. and then. It crashed. You know, I think it's a, it was starting to fold that this was a scam and people lost confidence. So it crashed. And then, you know, the team behind it sort of desperately tried to sort of buy it back up, you know, to restore confidence. And then people still bought it back up and then it crashed again. And it crashed from like, it was like $460 to basically nothing. It lost like 90% of its value just like that. So people just woke up, you know, it went really, really suddenly. And people had lost like 90% of their money and people had put so much money into it. But, you know, it's really sad. But then as this was crashing, BitConnect, they got greedy. So they launched another ICO, another initial coin offering, they call it BitConnect X. And, you know, they didn't say what they were going to do. There was nothing about it, no information, nothing, you know, no clarity, nothing at all. And they just said, well, you know, this is going to make you money. And then they, just before the launch, they changed the price by 10X. They were going to sell a token for $5. And then they changed it to $50 for the same thing. It's still didn't say what was going to happen. And this was after the first one had totally crashed and you know, lost the majority of its value. And, you know, people were crying out left, right and center that this is a scam. And, you know, I remember I was on some of these chat groups and, you know, people asking, is this a good investment? And I said to one, like, no, this is a scam. Like, don't risk it. 
and you just got utter abuse because people really wanted to believe in it and really wanted to send their money to it and you know obviously that crashed again so you know I think what to me is really interesting because these scams they've got their little sort of forums they've got their little chat groups and their Facebook sort of sites where you know fans and community and so forth chat with each other and what is really interesting about them you've got people just constantly saying you know these scams they're most similar to a cult and you know it's, it's cult-like and the leaders are really persuasive and it just shows how these scams they typically might spend 10 percent of all of the money they put in that they raise on marketing so if they were raising four billion dollars that's 400 million dollars that you can spend on marketing you know that's a lot of money they can get the best people money can buy they can get the best websites that they use psychology and these network marketers and so forth they know exactly what they're doing and they can literally do whatever they want to persuade people to get involved because they've got the budget because they've got the skills because they go from scam to scam so they know exactly what they're doing and how to con people so what for me is is really interesting is how persuasive they are and how powerful they are and you know, people fall for them over and over again and and still it's just unbelievable but you can see why because they're so persuasive and if you say something negative they'll kick those people out of the group and how they run it it's you know you see people that are still really want to believe in them the closest is they create these cults around them so long answer but you know really really sad and lots of people lost lots of money but when you sort of look at almost the psychology that scams use against victims you can see why people do fall for them because yeah, they're yeah, very, very smart. They're using lots of strategies and tactics and storytelling, I guess, to drag people into that. And when it's too good to be true and people want to jump on it, it's, I would say it might be easy to fall into that trap if you're not really informed in that space. Not everyone's as informed as you are, obviously. So Yeah, mm-hmm. I can see how people would fall for them. And the thing is, the scams, and again, I don't want to be you know, negative into crypto, but scams target people who aren't crypto experts. They target people that are vulnerable, mm-hmm. that are most likely to fall for them. Yeah. The thing is, if they've never previously fallen for a crypto scam, then the scams are good. The websites look good. They make these claims like, oh, well, we're, you know, we're registered or regulated by so-and-so. We're partnered with so-and-so. We've got so-and-so on our board, so-and-so on our team. We've got such and such companies as clients or we're able to issue whatever type of, you know, card we're working with so-and-so. So they make all of these claims and use logos and names of companies that people know and trust. And people see that and they think, well, they're working with so-and-so or regulated by so-and-so or going to be listed on whatever stock exchange, then it must be real. And, you know, of course, the scams are using those logos and company names without their permission. And, you know, when those companies find out, they eventually will get taken down. But they don't find out immediately because how will they hear about it so you know you really do see how and why people fall for them because they're very good and they're getting very sophisticated and they're getting smarter did you feel like a uh, detective writing your book and researching <laughs> no that would be really cool i'm not that cool <laughs> jamie bartlett who did the the bbc's missing crypto queen podcast series i'd urge anyone to listen to and he's the true detective and the true legend and genius who really did a good job of that no I didn't because every scam I wrote about had already been uncovered and been sort of reported and been investigated and, and being decided it was a scam you know sort of by by law enforcement so no I didn't do any sort of groundbreaking sort of investigative work in that sense but what was really cool because of, of running the crypto curry club we've got this really cool community I got I did get introduced to a lot of people and got to know those people you know who had been watching these scams sort of from the side or trying to expose them or sort of you know 
been for various reasons exposed to these scams. So, you know, I actually did. I had some incredible conversations. You heard a lot. And some people were like, you know, this is information, but whatever you don't say my name or something, because they're worried about their own, you know, because they're worried because, you know, some of these are run by organized crime and some people know too much. So, you know, no, I'd, I'd, I'd love to say it was that cool, but no. But I did still learn a lot and have some incredible conversations with incredible people and you hear some scary stuff. Becoming a detective as well would be a choice in that sense because you would be you would have to worry about your life maybe so it depends on what kind um, of lifestyle you want to have I mean pe- people I, I did speak to had for example who had witnessed or seen early scams would try to expose or try to contact law enforcement you know quite a few people I spoke to had had death threats or had had threats from you know from organized crime and in some cases weren't even willing to say who they thought was behind them so you know that that is I haven't had that you know hopefully yet and hopefully you know ever you know thank god but um people i know people i know personally have so you know it is real and i want to go back a little bit into what we touched slightly at the beginning of the conversation many emerging countries are creating their own coins right we look at guatemala i think salvador venezuela how can this play out because if we think about countries that crashed economically in a certain sense we look at greece we look at lebanon now we look at venezuela how can this play a role would that be a scam or a ponzi scheme within the country or um, not so case by case by case by case so yeah, for yeah, example obviously. venezuela have created their own cryptocurrency called the pedro which they say is backed by oil and internationally it's not trusted so what people are saying that that is a scam on you know in, in some of the places you've got countries launching their own digital currency well you know if they're backed one by one by the country's currency then it's just a digital version of what they've got so if yeah. they're You know, if their print currency is hyperinflated and not trusted, then, you know, likely that will be true for their digital currency because it's not like Bitcoin where there's a set number of Bitcoins. It's, you know, if a, a central bank wants to launch its own digital currency, they're in control. It's not a decentralized cryptocurrency. So if a central bank launches its own digital currency and they want to add a few zeros on or they want to print more, if they want to block your transactions because you do whatever, then they're in full control and they can do that. So in those senses, it's, it's not that different to what they've got now in many ways, except it's just more digitized, they've got more control. The other side of that question, and you mentioned, for example, El Salvador, they've just started accepting Bitcoin as, as legal tender. Yeah. In Venezuela, where you've got extreme hyperinflation and the economy has, has really suffered, just you know, as an example, And, and people don't trust the banks, don't really trust the governments where the people are really suffering. And, and you know, the local peso is, is effectively worthless. You know, people rely on, on foreign aid and so forth in large degree. So where you've got Bitcoin, where, you know, Bitcoin, there's only ever going to be 24 million producers sort of trust the world over. Where you've got the main sort of Bitcoin adoption, it's not in the UK, it's not in America, it's in places like Venezuela and Russia, Ukraine, it is places where either there's hyperinflation or the banks aren't trusted or the government aren't trusted or where there's blocks on how people can send money. So in Venezuela, a lot of people store their money in Bitcoin, not because they think it's a good investment, not because they think it's cool, not because they think it's exciting, not because it's the latest trend. And, you know, not because they think, oh, it might go up in value or whatever, because, you know, they know it might crash by 50%. But to them, it's more stable. Than the local currency and you know if, if these are people who can't just send money abroad or can't just you know get dollars or send dollars or whatever you know and and their their local currency is just being eroded just like that whereas bitcoin for them is just a safer store of value so going to bitcoin you know not in the same way as people in the uk are whereby you know maybe they think it's cool or that it's going up in value or they believe in it or whatever in venezuela they're going to bitcoin 
because that's pretty much the only option that many people say that they've got. I can go on forever just on that subject. So I just try to keep it focused <laughs> on the scams mm-hmm. and crypto scams and, and your book. And, and I'm going to be putting all the links in the comments. Uh-huh. What is the world you dream of? For me or in general? For you. Oh, it'd be totally vegan for one. So in a world where Erica Sipiata, any, I think the, the animal trade would be ended entirely. It would be totally vegan, no fur trade, no animal testing, no animals in cages whatsoever. And if that means less people, then so be it. Um, so number one would be a totally vegan world where it's just not legal to keep animals in cages unless maybe they're out of vets and being treated for their good. So that would be the main thing. Um you know, practically for me, I spend way too much time in front of a laptop. Ideally, you know, you maybe have a laptop for the sake of reading something occasionally that's interesting, but um, would be outside and active and hiking up mountains and biking and being outside just as much as, as possible. And in terms and of crypto? not under the laptop. <laughs> in terms of crypto, I'm sorry, I was just being totally hedonistic and then what, what the aim in terms of crypto. I can see synergies in that sense because you're talking about, you know, sustainability in a certain way and, you know, fossil fuels, whatever. And we go to episode one of season two, we spoke about, you know, financial feminism and so on. So, but here you're talking about veganism. In, and okay, so on. So in, in and, terms of crypto, in terms of crypto, I think what we're seeing a lot of is, for example, China, they're, they're the most advanced in terms of as a country, they've got their own digital currency it's very centrally controlled it's like the opposite of bitcoin and they've been doing it for about seven years now working on it they've had extensive trials it's now pretty much ready to go and they've got their own national digital currency and you know what really scares me about that is the amount of control against the state the amount of data the amount of power they're linking it there to what's called a sesame credit it's like a social credit score so you know, if you're a model citizen and you work in, in good jobs and everything you do is, you know, according to what the state wants and you get points and you get cheaper, you know, you get discounts and some things and you get prioritized booking access and you get, you don't have to pay deposits for things and all of that, or you get cheaper loan rates and so forth. If you're a less model citizen, you know, for reasons like you're of the wrong ethnic minority or of the wrong religion you are an investigative journalist, you're too vocal about certain things, maybe you vote the wrong way, you associate with the wrong people, you buy the wrong foods, whatever that is, you get a lower social credit score. And then the, the problem is with having a fully digitized currency is the power it gives to the state. And, you know, there's benefits. There's benefits to having a fully, fully digitized currency. And, you know, I'm, I'm not disputing those benefits in terms of, you know, energy, in terms of reducing fraud, and there's benefits to being able to trace things. I'm, not disputing that but it does also give an enormous amount of power and control to the state and you know then they can just block transactions and that really scares me you've got all these countries around the world now looking at launching their own digital currencies and, and you know centralized central bank run and back digital currencies and that does scare me the amount of power it can give because you know it might be launched and the countries might launch these digital currencies with good intentions because it saves energy because it gives more transparency whatever that is just more efficient that's all true. The problem is, is, is you're only ever in that, you know, you, you're only ever one election away or one economic scenario, one pandemic or whatever that is away from things completely changing or from having a complete, you know, narcissistic psychopath, whatever in charge. And, you know, we, it's not like we haven't seen that happen before. And it's not like we haven't had that in recent times. And, you know, that does scare me. So I guess, you know, the, uh, again, another long answer, my ideal scenario, I'd certainly see Bitcoin as a safer, more stress-free version than 
a world run where people are controlled by central run currencies where that's your only access to money bitcoin in particular bitcoin in particular and you know it might be that there's you know another you know other other cryptocurrencies launched there's always new ones being created and produced and you know where they are more volatile more more stable you know lower transactions or whatever but at the moment bitcoin is the key one and you know there might be a one produced you know it's a really interesting space with, with great innovation and things are changing really fast what about the uh, crypto curry club how can someone join all information is on the, the website cryptocurryclub.com so we had until lockdown we had a load of in-person events currently we're not because of lockdown and still corona rates in the uk at least are still really super high But we're hosting virtual events. We've got a weekly newsletter, the Crypto Courier, just gives a, a summary of the biggest, the week's biggest news in crypto and blockchain and just, you know, makes it super easy to just get an overview of everything that's happening in the space. It should take about five, 10 minutes to read each week. That's a hope. We've got an industry publication, Blockchain Industry Review, which is out every month except for in summer. You know, we've got virtual events, there's information on there. So anyone can you know, go to cryptocurrylab.com and subscribe. on there and you know it's a super exciting cool community and hopefully 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 at some point real life events will be back awesome and i'll be linking everything in the show notes thank you please so do. much please buy the book and hopefully you'll find out more about crypto scams and hacks and ponzo schemes and be more educated on that as well yeah cool. thank you for having me on thank you so much awesome episode with erica stanford we spoke about scams more scams and even more scams So make sure you don't get scammed. Thanks for listening. You are listening to Gut Talks by Maria Matloub. To support the show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with anyone who could benefit from listening to these stories and experiences. To continue the conversation, join the Telegram channel. All links are in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time.